you've chosen to be here. What a wonderful group of you have come out on this cold Florida morning. Let me just say it one more time. Merry Christmas. Man, I hope you've had an exciting day like we have. Ours began real early and we've already been celebrating what this day means in a lot of different ways. But I want to tell you something as we spend just a few more minutes in God's Word. Truthfully, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, every day is Christmas. Every day is the day we celebrate who Jesus is and what that means to us individually. Now, I know on Christmas Day, you probably have different customs and different traditions. If we were to go around the room, if we had the time, and let everybody explain what you did on Christmas morning, there would be hundreds of different examples of your Christmas practices. But I want you to think about someone very early in Jesus' life who experienced one of these Christmas morning encounters. He experienced what happens when Christmas comes to you. It's in the same chapter of Scripture in God's Word. If you have your copy, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. But we're going to pick up with a less familiar part of this Christmas story. And in fact, it happens after the birth of Jesus. And we learn something that you have in common on this Christmas morning with Jesus himself. Because one of the first things that Jesus did after he was born is he went to church. Did you know that? The Bible says that after eight days, those Hebrew boys, they would experience that ritual called circumcision and then 33 days later, there would be a presentation in the temple at that 40th day after birth, presentation before the Lord. And what we're about to read takes place when that moment is occurring. And I think it'll help us see how we should respond when Christmas comes to us. This is the word of God in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves are two young pigeons. Now, we've just read a few verses, but in, in these short verses, several times you have a phrase that sounds like this, the law of the Lord, or the law of Moses, or as it is written. So Jesus' parents were following the scriptures. 
That's why every time we gather together, we open the Bible. And I remind you that when you hear the Word of God, that's the most important thing you will hear that day or any day. Uh, hopefully, a, a biblical teacher, a preacher will stand up and, and share things that are practical in your life that stem out of the Word of God that can help you in your daily journey. But there's power in the Word of God. The Bible says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And so the parents of Jesus give us a great model. They're following the commands of Scripture. So on the eighth day, Jesus had been circumcised. Now 33 days later, as the law commands, they found themselves in the temple for the purification rites. Now we're no longer under those same laws. We're no longer responsible for those particular rituals. But there are principles of Scripture that we still follow. We are called to obey the commands of Scripture. In fact... There are verses like this that apply to this very kind of situation. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Start children off in the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. Now, let's get back to Luke 2 and see what happens. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. I I love the the motivational uh, speaker and author named John Gordon. He wrote a book and he has a talk entitled One Word. Some of you are familiar with that because for the last several years, a lot of people pick one word as they go into the new year. That's not a bad thing to do. And in fact, I would encourage you to do that. And you may choose a word like joy or persevere or trust or honor. That's a good practice, but the truth is whether you choose it or not, your life can be described, you can be identified in one or two words. In, in fact, every time I gather with a family, when we're celebrating the life of someone who has passed into eternity, one of the things that I'll ask them to do is give me one word or a short phrase that describes them. And instantly we can do that. When I think about that, there are words that I want to be described by. I don't know when my life will end, but when it does, I hope I can be described by words like finished strong faithful, forgiven, by his grace. Man, that's a big one for me, by his grace, or for his glory. So this guy, Simeon, he was described by Dr. Luke with two words, righteous and devout. Now, I don't know what's going to be in your obituary or what's going to be on your epitaph, but that's a pretty good start, right? Righteous and devout. He's described as someone who was living in the right way, and he was living according to the commands of Scripture. Now, notice what it goes on to say. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. He was waiting. He was awaiting with great expectancy. And in our last several Christmas Eve services, I shared a principle. I'm going to give it to you this morning again. Here's the truth. God always shows up for those who are anticipating his presence. So when you are waiting for God to do something big in your life, you're in a good place. Don't waste the waiting times, because waiting times are not wasted times. When you're waiting on the Lord with great expectation, he's preparing to surprise you with his presence. Well, notice what it goes on to say. Why was he waiting? Because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he was moved by the Spirit. Three times in two verses, we see 
God's word mention the spirit of God. And so this is a good place just to remind you about the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit is, is not some mystical force. It's not something that just falls on us through the fog machines and the lights and in worship when we feel like it. No, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we believe, according to Scripture, that all three persons of the Trinity have always existed. So in the creation, you know who was involved in creation? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's interesting because as we come to the Gospels, to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll often hear preachers or teachers like me remind us that the people of God, the children of Israel, had felt silence from God for 400 years. There had been about 400 years that there were, were no strong prophetic activity, that we don't have writings in the Bible from God speaking to his people. But God never left them. There was still God's provision and his protection, even as they rebuilt the temple. God still worked in righteous people's lives. People like Simeon, who he spoke to, and he gave comfort and reminder and it helps us know that the Holy Spirit of God, who indwells every follower of Jesus Christ, he never leaves us either. In fact, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is referring to this when it says, he will never, no ever, not ever, ever leave you or forsake you. Whatever you're facing today, find comfort in that. Just as Simeon was waiting for the comfort of Israel, you find comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit of God will never leave you if you are his child. So, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child, that's Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arm and he praised God saying. Now, what's interesting here is this is a song and I don't know about you, but sometimes I just burst into a song. Now, this morning was not really one of those mornings, because last night I didn't really have a good night's rest. I got a short nap. And so when I woke up this morning, it was not, oh, what a beautiful morning. No, it was more like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me get my feet out of the bed. But I mentioned again in our Christmas Eve story, services, and my brother's back here, that, that I love worshiping with my friend Steve Channer. And a lot of times, he'll just kind of hang out in the back. And when Steve, he gets going, man, he just worships. And sometimes when you're worshiping, you might just burst out into a song because the Spirit of God has been upon you, and you are so moved by the presence of God that you can't help it. That's what Simeon does here. And listen to what he says, Sovereign Lord. In other words, God, you the one who knows everything, the one who is large is in charge, you have promised, may you not dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people, Israel. And then you find one of the most interesting things in this passage. It says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Is that not weird to you? This is Mary and Joseph. This is Mary, whose cousin Elizabeth was having a child named John the Baptist. 
when she was expecting Jesus. This was Mary who had encountered an angel. This was Joseph who had encountered an angel. This was Mary and Joseph who had shepherds just show up at their birth and worship their son. They knew what was going on. And yet, in this moment, they still marveled. Oh, brothers and sisters, those of you who are followers of Christ, can I just challenge you this Christmas morning, don't lose your marvel. Make sure you take some time to marvel in the moment. This one whose birth we celebrate, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is marvelous spending my life around people like us church people one of the things that's so disheartening is to see those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ and yet it looks like we got over our salvation let me just remind you, if you were saved, if you've been born again, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're walking in the way, if you've stepped across that faith line, that means you were headed to hell, but now you're going to heaven. That means you were dead, but now you're alive. That means you were in darkness, but now you're walking in the light. You've been changed. He picked you up. He turned you around. He put your feet on solid ground. You have been changed, and that's worthy of celebration. That's worthy of the marvel of the Lord. So they marveled. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, oh, this child, this child, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Obviously, he's speaking of what would ultimately be the death, the cruel death of Jesus on the cross. And though Jesus would die on the cross, as any mother would know that's lost a child, that would pierce the heart of Mary. Well, let me just make a statement and then and just give you a few words of encouragement. While the birth of Jesus Christ is fulfilled and God's promise and his accomplished purpose takes place upon his revival, that creates a problem that every individual must confront even today. So I want to talk about those three things, the promise, the purpose, and the problem. These are three things Simeon understood. We need to understand them too. Number one, Simeon understood the promise of Christmas. Remember that the birth of Jesus occurred just as the prophet said that it would. I just quoted some of this, but can I remind you what the prophet said? In Isaiah 7 and 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathra, th though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then in Isaiah 9, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, why does this matter? If God kept his promises about something as big as this, 
then I'm going to suggest to you that you can depend on God to keep his promises to you. Are you trusting in the promises of God? When I was growing up, we'd sing that old hymn, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. Used to hear old country preachers say the problem with a lot of Christ followers, instead of standing on the promises, we're sitting on our premises. We're depending on ourselves. It matters in big ways because here's one of the promises, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have forever life. That's a promise. Isn't that a big one? Or how about this one? Uh, in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. That's a promise. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a promise. But it's also in practical ways in our life. Let me just give you another promise from the psalm. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. It doesn't say the Lord might show up if you're brokenhearted or he saves some of those who are poor. No, it's a promise of the Lord. Are you trusting in the promises of God this Christmas? Let me ask you something else. Are you expecting his promised return? You see, Simeon was ready when Jesus showed up because he was expecting God to keep his promise. Let me tell you something. Today, we're celebrating the advent of Christ. Jesus came. But if you're a follower of a Christ, you know that this book, the Bible, the very last thing it says is, even so, come again quickly, Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus is coming again. If God kept his promise the first time, you think he's going to keep his promise the second time? I believe he will, and I want to be ready. I want to expect his presence. Well, Simeon understood the promise of Christmas, but Simeon also understood the purpose of Christmas. That's verses 30 and 32. He understood that Jesus came for the purpose of shining light into a dark world. In other words, he knew the big why. The why, why we're here, why we exist. Jesus said it over and over again. He knew his mission statement. He said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And all throughout his 33 years of life, even the religious people tried to get him off mission, but Jesus wouldn't let them do it. He would go hang out with those who were lost, the sinners, those who were partying, those who desperately needed him. And you know what the religious people did? They always said, why are you hanging out with those folks? But Jesus knew his why. That was his mission. I just need to tell you on this Christmas morning that as a church, we're going to be jealous about our why. We're going to remember our mission. And we're going to go forward into this new year understanding that all around us in Tampa Bay and across this world are people who need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They are our why. We exist for those who aren't here yet. It's a good thing that there's a few empty seats because we are here to reach out into our community and see those seats filled with those who need the salvation that comes through the birth, life, the death, and the burial of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, Christ follower, are you living according to God's why? Are you if you claim to be a Christ follower, have you kept the main thing the main thing? Are you understanding that, that God wants you to shine his light in this world, to be a reflection of his glory, just as clear as Simeon saw that that's why Christ had come? Here's a side note. 
this is a great time to just reflect on what's coming down the pipe. We're, we're one week away. One week from today is New Year's. And I am so excited uh, about our New Year's message that will take place right here in this room. I'm calling it Come Before Winter. And, and come before winter, I'm going to give you some practical application just to go into the new year. But every time this year, we begin to think about our why. Why are you here? I'm going to challenge you. Don't live another year of life without knowing your why. I'm so thankful that earlier this year, just spending some time with someone that impacted my life, I was able to hammer out my why. And I really believe the reason I'm not dead, the reason I'm not already in heaven, the reason God has left me here is so that I can leverage my personal brokenness to, to share a deep belief in the God of the second chance. I'm going to spend every waking hour, the rest of my life doing that, to leverage the fact that, man, I'm a broken human being. I've made some wrong decisions. I've gone through some difficult things, but God's brought me through that, and I want to leverage my experience so that I can inspire a deep belief in the God of the second chance. Do you know your why? I pray that you do. Simeon understood the promise of Christmas. Simeon understood the purpose of Christmas. But listen to this, Simeon also understood the problem with Christmas. What's the problem with Christmas? Well, I, I told you that he was praising God, but if we read this passage completely, what we see is that Simeon stopped praising and he started prophesying. And, and prophet. prophecy is just telling forth the truth of God. So he stopped just praising God for who he was. That's part of what we do as Christ followers. But sometimes we just need to shout out to the world, hey! This is what God says. So look at it again in verse 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the hearts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon was waiting for the Messiah. But you know what he understood? Not everybody's waiting. And I have to confess, I've lived long enough to realize not everybody's looking out for Jesus right now. In fact, even today, there's a lot of things competing for your attention, for your devotion, for your focus. In John 1 and verse 9, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You know the problem with Christmas? The problem with Christmas is that with the arrival of Jesus, God drew a line in the sand. And drawing that line in the sand, he was really communicating. You've got to choose. You can't have it both ways. You either see Jesus for who he is and let that change your life. Or you reject him and go on your way. I've said this several times over the last few days, but the truth is, though we try, you just can't have it both ways. You can't worry and worship. You can't panic and pray. You, you can't trust in your own mind and say you're trusting in the Lord.
So what's it going to be for you this Christmas? For me, here's my prayer. I want to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I want to lean not into my own understanding. I want to acknowledge him in all my ways. And then I'll trust that he'll direct my paths. I pray that that's true for you. Hey, while the birth of Jesus is fulfilled through God's promises, and it accomplishes his purpose, his arrival creates a problem that every individual must confront, even today. So what about you? What are you going to do when Christmas comes? Because it's here. Let's bow our heads together. I'm so thankful that you've chosen to come and worship on this Christmas morning. But here's the reality. As we celebrate his birth, we must contemplate his death. We must be moved to decide what we're going to do with Jesus. You see, in most of our lives, we've come to that line in the sand and we've made a choice. Either we've said, I I just want more of this world. (laughs) And this is a time of year where that's, man, there's a lot of that. We spend money we don't have to buy stuff we don't need to impress people we don't like. And yet we go through our life saying, just give me more of this. Just give me more of that. Just give me more of this world. But there's another way. And that's to say, just give me Jesus. Jesus, all I want is more of you. And that doesn't mean you become like a monk and you abstain from everything in the world. I'm not suggesting that. It just means that you get to a place where you understand what the right priorities are. And you live your life understanding God's promises. And you live your life consistent with his purpose. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a great day to just recommit to that. To saying, God, I want to live according to your why, and I want to better understand my why. I want to live my life for your glory. But somebody's here because I prayed that you would be. I'm confident you are. And you've, you've never really begun a relationship with God. That does not mean you're a bad person. I'm not suggesting that. In fact, you can be very religious. You might be Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Episcopal or Lutheran or Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Church of Christ, non-denominational. Hmm, fill in your blank. <laughs> you may have even been through a lot of rituals like confirmation or church class or Holy Communion, or Sunday school, uh, or, or you've been dipped or dunked or sprinkled, or you've walked down an aisle or you've raised a hand. You know, there's a lot of things we do. But according to Scripture, there's nothing we do that changes us. The only thing that changes us is what Jesus Christ did, what he has accomplished, what he's done. So maybe today you need to understand that truth of the gospel. 
You need to understand that you were born just like all of us, separated from God because of your sin. Sin's not just bad things you've done, it's who you are. And the Bible says if sin's left undealt with, remember this promise? I quoted it. The payment, the wages of sin is death. But God doesn't want that. He wants you to have the other part of the promise. The gift of God is for eternal life. See, God demonstrates his love in that while we're still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ just by receiving his forgiveness and trusting in him. So if you've never experienced that in your life, I'd love to give you the opportunity to do that. And that's the best gift you could ever have. I can't imagine just the gift of being able to say, on Christmas Day in 2022, I surrendered control of my life to Jesus. I received the gift of forgiveness, and he came into my life and took control. So if you've never done that, would you consider praying this prayer? You can make it your own prayer. Just repeat these words after me, praying it out to God. Just say, dear Jesus, just you and him, dear Jesus, I I know I need you. I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I now know that's why you came. Came as a baby. But that's why you died died as a man you took my payment my punishment you carried the burden of my sin so here I am (laughs) I received the greatest gift I could ever receive your forgiveness just tell him I received the greatest gift I could ever receive your forgiveness and I surrender control of my life to you I'm going to resign as the boss of my life. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Just tell him, from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Now, one more thing. Tell Jesus thank you. Say thank you, Jesus. For one moment more, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But if you just prayed that prayer, that's the most important thing you could ever do. That's the best Christmas gift you could ever receive. It changes us. It changes our life. So I'm not going to embarrass you or draw undue attention to you. In fact, it'll be just me and you as long as everybody just keeps their heads bowed and their eyes closed. But I want to welcome you to God's family and say congratulations because this is a big deal. So if you just prayed that prayer with me or maybe you cried out in your own words to God, when I count to three, would you just lift your hands up real quick and you can put them back down. You're just going to lift up your hand and put it back down when I count to three. One, two, three. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. All across this room, welcome to God's family. Congratulations. In just a moment, I'm going to tell you how you can tell me, if you want to, what you've just done. It's real simple. I'm going to give everybody a chance to tell me something, and you can tell me that you just prayed that prayer and began that relationship with Christ. So, Lord, today, we've just celebrated the reality that many have begun a relationship with you. Thank you, God. That's the best Christmas gift I could receive as a pastor, that knowing that you would take a sinful guy like me and use simple words to speak your truth and to change forever. So, Lord, I'm confident that the words we're about to sing not only express the desires of my heart, Lord, but there are many of us who would cry out, there's a lot this world has to offer. 
Some of it's good, a lot of it's bad. We'll take some of it, Lord. We'll leave a lot of it. But we're going to state for the record today, what we really want is more of you. Just give us more of you, Lord. Just give us more of you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Just give me Jesus.